Flossum, the philosophy of embracing your so-called flaws and being awesome despite them. It's about kicking perfectionism to the curb. It's about showing your face on video, maybe even without makeup. Flossum is letting your audience in on your reality when you're not dressed to the nines, when you're willing to try something new to promote your business, when you're feeling extra passionate about something. I'm Anita Kirkbride, founder of Twerp Communications and Social Media Day Halifax. After a decade in the social media space, I've got a lot to say. I'm inviting you to join me on a journey of embracing your flossom. Season two of the podcast is part passionate ranting, part storytelling, and completely and radically transparent. Around here, we commit to being good enough. We dropkick perfectionism out of the glow wrestling ring. We celebrate getting shit done because done and shipped is so much more satisfying than perfect and never done. Welcome to season two of Be Flossom, the Good Enough podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Ashley Margison. She's a licensed and registered naturopathic doctor with a strong focus on women's health, hormonal regulation, health optimization, and burnout recovery and prevention. That's a big topic right now. She has a thriving practice filled with patients who are focusing on improving their quality of hormones. Dr. Ashley is also the host of the Superwoman Code, a weekly podcast educating young professional and busy women about how to make their health work for them, not against them. She's also a full-time stepmom to her five and seven-year-old children. And we just had the best conversation getting started, just warming up. I can't wait to talk to you, Ashley, about being authentic and your social media. So welcome to the conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So tell us, first of all, tell us about your business, because I want people to know about your business. And tell us why you have a favorite hormone. (laughs) I think my favorite hormone changes like all of the time. So I, along with my partner, own Cornerstone Naturopathic, we're one of Canada's largest kind of regenerative and preventative health clinics. We happen to be located in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and have a satellite clinic in Yarmouth. I get to spend my days basically listening to people's stories and try to figure out how to put the puzzle pieces together of sleep and hormones and how you should be eating and what exercise should look like and what your genetic history looks like to create this I'm going to say plan in quotes because like we create a plan, but then we also know that life just happens, but to create a plan where your health is really working for you. And the way that I do that with a lot of my patients is coming into the hormonal access. So what are your hormones telling you? What are the best times of your month to be working on certain things? When should you be taking a bit of a step back? When can you work like 14 to 16 hour days and crank out a pile of awesome stuff? And when do you need to literally work like three hours and then go have a nap? And your hormones drive all of that. Like as women, we're designed to work on this kind of 24 to 39 day cycle, whereas men are designed to work on a 24 hour cycle. And both are valid. Both are real. It's just we've tried to put ourselves into this like nine to five work idea that doesn't match to our hormones. So I firmly believe that we can create a culture where our hormones work for us. And it starts with redefining, in all honesty, what self-care is. 
I love that you mentioned this because this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is designing our work schedules around our cycles. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I know there are a a few days a month where all I want to do is sit on the couch with a heating bag and watch Netflix for a few hours and I don't feel like working. And there are certain kinds of work I can accomplish on those days. There's other kinds of work that I just, I don't want to touch on those days. So how do we go about figuring that cycle out for ourselves if we've never thought about it before? You have to track it. Like you can't make, and I'm sure you do this in your business as well. Everybody does it. Like you can't make a decision without data, right? So your hormones fluctuate every single day. My job is to figure out those really small fluctuations that kind of articulate how a day starts and how a day ends. Somebody else, like your job is to tell me like what your first day of your cycle is, when you're ovulating and what's the first day of your next cycle. And literally that's it. Like when Mm -hmm. I'm talking tracking, I'm talking like I need three things. And then what we do is we start to piece in, okay, so if you're ovulating at this time, you're getting your period 14 days later, this is what's happening. Here's how your day-to-day plays into that and kind of structuring out when you can expend more energy and when you need to conserve more energy. So it's as easy as that, just tracking tracking your period. Exactly. It's literally actually as easy as it's just like, just track it. And you literally just need to like hit a button on an app on your phone. It really doesn't matter which one you choose. I'm preferential to Clue because it's not pink and flowery and they have amazing privacy behind them. But like it is as simple as like, here's the first day that I bleed. Here's the next time I bleed. And here's when my vaginal discharge changes to sign that I'm in ovulation. Now, if you're on an IUD or if you've had a hysterectomy or if you are on a birth control pill, those things change. Mm -hmm. But it's all still like you can still track it. You just need to track it a different way. So it's interesting because I don't track it the way you're saying, but I do put on my calendar. So I know when my period is supposed to come, right? So I have an idea, but I've never really thought about trying to organize my work around that cycle until I was listening to you on another podcast the other day. And I was like, you know, I've heard of people doing this. I really should think about this a little bit more. And it's one of those things where we try and plan it out and then we recognize that sometimes shit just happens, right? Like you can't control everything. You can try and design it, but then sometimes like this amazing client comes along and you're like, technically, I probably shouldn't be taking on more right now, but like I'm willing to do this and subtract in another area of my life to ensure that like I'm not burning myself out. Mm -hmm. So first half of your cycle is called the follicular phase. And that's when estrogen's rising, you're developing a follicle that eventually will ovulate and release an egg. And so ovulation is this kind of like four day time range when you really are at your peak, your testosterone's highest, your estrogen is highest. This is literally when your brain is functioning on like all cylinders, plus like the gas tank that you have sitting in the back of your car. Like ovulation is the time to get stuff done. It's also the time though, to pitch and to reach out and make those Mm. cold calls and like put together, like if you're doing a presentation, ideally you want to do it around your ovulation time because the testosterone that's rising is making you a little bit more kind of friendly with other people. I know. Interesting. No, but that's really interesting. So if we're thinking about it from a social media perspective, 
Mm-hmm. If you were tracking your ovulation, you're saying that if I want to make videos and I want to appear more friendly and outgoing on my videos, I should you do totally them while I'm ovulating. Yep. And you should be planning what you want that to look like in your follicular phase because estrogen is your creative energy. It's much easier to brainstorm. It's much easier to put things together. It's much easier to jump down rabbit holes and then jump into the next one and the next one and the next one when your estrogen's rising. So you kind mm-hmm. of get this like brainstorming planning time and then an execution time. And then your luteal phase is basically your like get shit done phase. Like it's the check the box phase of I don't need to think about this. I just need to do it. Right. And so then your luteal phase is like, OK, so we bring everything together. We get it scheduled. We put the hashtags on in whichever way you want to. We load it into a scheduling system when it comes to social media. We could pull data from what worked really well the the month before to what we want to kind of optimize on this time. Like that's all your luteal phase. You're kind of blowing my mind with this. And I'm committing to, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start making my videos when I'm ovulating and I'm going to plan them. So I happen to be at a really good time to start this. Just saying, not. You're like, I don't want to give coming into the. You know, I don't yeah. want to give too much information here, but <laughs> I can start planning maybe tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then make a whole bunch of videos on a couple of days in in a week or two weeks. So yep. I'm going to try this and see how it goes because that's kind of blowing my mind to think about things that way. And maybe this comes into like, so one of my rules with social media is I don't use filters. Period. Yes. Like it just, it does not happen. It does not work. It's inauthentic for what I want to be putting out into the world. When you're ovulating, your skin's healthier. You have a little bit more vibrancy. Your skin looks better. It's not as dull. You're less likely to have acne. Your hair is actually a little bit more full. So from a like, if I'm going to take a video two days before my period, when I look really tired mm-hmm. versus at ovulation and I make that call is like, I don't use filters. I rarely edit photos. Then I'm going to do it at ovulation because it's just going to work a little bit better. Yeah, that's like, yeah, you're just you're blowing my mind thinking about this from a whole new perspective. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you today is because I do love your social media and I love the vibe of it. I love what you talk about, obviously. I want to talk about your branding. You recently rebranded. Tell me about the process of why you wanted to rebrand your social media and your podcast the way it looks. It needed more vibrancy. So I quite love social media. I love interacting with it. I love having fun with it. I maybe spend five hours a month on social media. (laughs) Like I very much am not on it that often. So maybe that's why I quite love it. But social media and Instagram in particular, I find really exciting because I get to open up these windows into my personal life, not just my professional life. And I think that it's really important when you're talking hormones and fertility and perimenopause and menopause that you kind of understand who you're working with. And so the podcast is two years old this month. So we're recording this in November. So the podcast is actually two years old this month. Should really put a post up about that. That (laughs) (laughs) And when we started the podcast, we had branded it as this very like 
girl next door, have a cup of tea, coffee, glass of wine, like sit down and let's just chat hormones the way that we should be chatting hormones. And so it was really neutral palettes. It was very comfortable. It wasn't in your face. It was designed to just feel like a warm hug. And over the last couple of years, as the narrative has slightly changed to a little bit more vibrancy on the podcast and more like, okay, we're going to talk about this, but we're going to actively talk about it, not just explain the science. Now we're doing like a, this is what you can do Mm -hmm. on the conversation. The branding needed to match that. And so I felt like the branding was just, it was softer than how we were having the discussions on the podcast. So I wanted to rebrand. And so I reached out to Steph and the team at Paper Hearts for a couple of reasons. One being Steph knows my brand intricately Mm -hmm. well. And so then it was much easier to get her to take the million things that were in my head because she already knew some of the gray zone of it. And the goal was to create something that was really vibrant and that was really fun and that was energetic and that was a little bit more like sunshine and and rainbows and less like cozy blanket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you are very much sunshine and rainbows. Are you are you sunshine and rainbows all the time? No. <laughs> no. Fun fact, I don't actually like people that much. I love my patients. <laughs> I love getting to meet people. But like I am like, if I go and do an event, like I tend to come in before my talk, I'll stay for a little bit and then I go home and have a nap. Yeah. So you're an introvert. I'm very much so. Yeah, it's funny. I'm an introvert too. And people don't believe that when I tell them because I can come, I can do this podcast. I can have a great conversation. Absolutely. I can go stand on stage and I can talk on stage, but I am exhausted afterwards for Mm -hmm. the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. I have to plan it really intricately. And I do plan it according to where I'm at my cycle because I'm like, if I can do this when I've got more natural energy, that's really good because I'd like to not be a cranky person four hours later because I just Mm -hmm. expended a lot. So yeah, so we rebranded the podcast and we went really vibrant, kind of a little bit of that Southern charm meets Halifax meets academic. Steph did an amazing job with it. There are so many little drops all along the rebranding of the podcast. There's nods to the public gardens gates. There's nods to the academic campuses that I've done a lot of work at, like Harvard Mm -hmm. and Yale, which are really fun. And then there's nods to like this Southern charm that I just absolutely love. It matches you, right? It's all about matching you and your energy. And when I think a lot of people are scared to rebrand. It took me 10 years to rebrand Twerk Communications. Yeah. People are scared to rebrand because they identify so much with what the brand was. But sometimes Mm -hmm. we just need a refresh because we're changing, right? That's the thing. Like, we're not supposed to be the same person. So the podcast was started when I was in my 20s. Like, I'm now in my 30s. Like, I'm a very different person this number of years later than I was when the podcast started. And I would be worried about holding a branding idea Mm -hmm. that I didn't fit anymore. And I think some of that is like, we get older, like I've seen thousands more patients in those Mm -hmm. years, like I know more things than I knew then. So yeah, I'm a little bit more like steady about talking about this stuff, because I'm like, no, I can back this up. Yeah. You said something a few minutes ago, you said you spend about five hours a month on social media. Yep. How do you, I mean, I have to spend a lot more time than that, obviously. Well, I mean, it's your job, right? It's my job. But how do you, as an entrepreneur who has a beautiful social media feed that is authentic, 
that you do most of the work yourself, how do you only spend five hours a month doing social media and still accomplish that? I try and schedule it. So not everything is scheduled in advance. A lot of things just go up as is because I take the ideas for a lot of my posts from conversations that I have in my office. And so I swear, and I mean, nurses and doctors in the ER will tell you the same thing. Everything comes in batches. So like I have spent this past week talking about like three things and I'm like, I have not talked about this stuff or figured this stuff out in months. Why is it all happening right now? And so what I'll take from that is going like, well, I'm seeing a lot of this. This makes sense. So let's now apply it to the social media world and have that conversation there. And so it's very easy to kind of write those posts and figure out what should be going up because I'm already having that conversation. So it takes me literally 30 seconds to write a post because it fits the conversations I'm having on a daily basis. And then we just have a Dropbox filled with photos. And it's like, pull one of those photos, match it up to the conversation that we're having in the writing. Mm -hmm. And then it's log it into our scheduling system and kind of let it do its work. And tell me about the photos, because I asked you before we started, do you have a professional photographer following you around all the time? Because you've got like tons of photos, really good quality of you making faces. I love the faces that you make and you doing all kinds of different things. So do you have a professional photographer that follows you around all the time? I wish. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) Then I'd have so many photos I could use. No. So, you know, when like you see the stuff from the White House and they have like like White House photographers and their job is to literally just capture every single moment. I think that would actually be like the coolest job ever to have somebody literally like, here's a a photographic kind of memory of your entire life (laughs) on a daily basis. It wouldn't work so well, but no. So we have a combination of professionally done photos and like self timer photos. Like there's a camera always on a tripod at the office that if we need photos of one of the other team members, it's really easy to make happen. But then we also update kind of all of the, I'm going to say casual professional photos a couple times a year just to make sure that they still look like me or still look like Ben Mm -hmm. or still look like Jeremy. Because the one thing I don't want to have people say is like, oh, you don't look anything like what you look like on social media, right? Or like, it's really fun when I get to meet people at an event and they're like, oh, you're Dr. Ashley. Like you look exactly like you look like on social media or like, I love your Instagram stories because like it's you just Mm -hmm. in your office walking down the hall. And so that authenticity has been the base of how we have developed every single post that goes up, every single story that goes up, every single everything. So yes, we have professional photos, but they still have to look real. Yeah, I love that. Because we talked about the idea of, you know, the people who go get their headshots done, and they go and they get full professional makeup, professional hair, new wardrobe. And then they get their photographer to Photoshop out the wrinkles or the laugh lines or the whatever and brighten everything up and slim everything down. And then it doesn't yeah. look like them. And, and I think, look. no, and I think it's terribly inauthentic when you meet somebody and you realize they are 10, 15, 20 years older than their photos look. Or they're using a photo that was taken 10 years ago. Yes. Right. Or like pre-pandemic. Yeah. I was just like, we've all changed a little bit over the last two years. <laughs> if you haven't, then I really want to know what your secret is. 
But like I took a photo with my five-year-old the other day and I saw like laugh lines. And I was like, oh, that's fun. That's interesting. I don't know how I feel about this, but okay. I love that you think the laugh lines are fun because mine are taking up half of my face now. And I don't think that's so fun. (laughs) But it does mean we laugh a lot. (laughs) It does mean that we laugh a lot. So yeah, so that authenticity, like I get a really good sense of like, okay, like we're doing this social media conversation. We're doing it right when people are, oh, like, I really appreciated that post that you put up or like I saved it or like I love following you on social because, you know, I get it works like mm-hmm. it makes sense. It's what I'm thinking. It's how I'm feeling. And I'm like, it should be that. Yeah. You're resonating with your ideal audience, which is that the was hardest was thing. For. Yeah. It's the hardest thing for some people to do is to resonate. But it's probably partly because. You meet with how many clients would you meet with in a day? Somewhere between 20 to 30. Yeah. So let's say you meet with 20 clients a day, five days a week. That's 100 clients a week that you're having conversations with, which is lots of opportunities for things to go on social and thoughts to walk down the hall and share and just, yeah, that's like I have like I have post-it notes in my office that I will scribble stuff on. Right. And that's like those quotes that you see that pop up in my social media phase, like those that might be something a patient has said. It's probably something that I have thought and or said within a visit. And so, like, I just scribble it down. And at some point it will probably show up on social. I do make a point to never put something on social that happened the day of. And that is very much a privacy conversation for me with my patients. I know patients will share that they're at the clinic and I will never post something that has happened day of because I never want to associate a potential privacy breach with my patients and and how they choose to enter the office. That's a really good point because it's not always about us saying, oh, this happened and this is my client or, or giving away that information. But we have to remember that they're out there posting too that they met with Anita or Dr. Ashley today. And yes. then Dr. Ashley's talking about, oh, I had a client today that said this. Well, yeah, no, it's too close for me. So, and yeah. that creates a little bit of like, oh, that's a boundary that I'm not willing to do. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you ever follow me on social, do know that it will never be day of on purpose. Yeah. All right. So, you're, you're doing, the social media, mainly on your own. You have the backup of a graphic designer. You have occasional professional photos done. What is your biggest tip, your best tip for somebody who is struggling to do their own social media, to put their face out there and be authentic in all these ways that we've talked about today? What would you tell them? Oh, that's a good question. I see a lot of people pitching, here's how to get so many followers and here's how to get so many likes and here's how to get like X, Y, or Z. And this is my opinion from a service-based industry. So no matter what service-based industry you're in, maybe if it's product-based, you can apply it, but definitely if it's service-based, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It doesn't matter how many likes you have. I mean, I was going after that like 10,000 because I really just wanted the swipe up feature. Mm-hmm. Like, we that's don't need all it I anymore. Wanted. I don't need that anymore. So I'm like, cool, game over. Because I was like, I just want to be able to direct people. Like when I'm talking about today's podcast episode, I want to be able to direct people like, here's the link. I don't need to do that anymore. Thank you, Instagram. So I'm like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like I actually just, I don't care at all about how many people interact with my pictures or how many people comment on it. I treat social media like a magazine. 
So I treat it as a, like, if somebody were to come to my profile and look through everything, what would they see? What's the vibe that they would get? What's the comfort that they would experience in liking a photo, but then flipping to the next one and flipping to the next one and flipping to the next one. So I very much treat social media like a magazine. I assume that you're going to get to my profile somehow. Maybe somebody shared a quote. Maybe somebody shared my profile. Maybe somebody shared the podcast episode. But it's once you get there, do you feel taken care of? Do you feel like somebody has your back? Do you feel like there's an amazing mix of here's the evidence, here's the science, here's the research paper, but here's also how you apply it. And so I give, like I just treat social media as like I give I will never sell on social. I think that's, it doesn't fit the authenticity requirement that I have with how we interact online. And I just firmly believe that if if you get the information you need from my social and I never see you in my office, I've done my job. Mm -hmm. And if we get the information from your social and we need help, who are we going to call? Right? If we're in your area, we're going to call you because you've provided that information in a way that resonated with us. Yeah. So that's the philosophy I try to espouse too, is I give, give, give. I give tips, I give give. podcasts, I give blogs. I, you know, I'm always giving in my social media, always trying to educate and help. And I try to get all my clients to do that too, because I think it is the best way to show people that you're an expert, that you have something to offer and that you want to help people. You're not just there to sell products. God, no. Goodness, no. Yeah, it's not about like social media for me has never been about an end goal in terms of it has been about like community, like the end goal is community. I want people to feel safe and secure and and supported and like they've got some evidence behind it and that they can go to their doctor or their naturopathic doctor or their massage therapist or their specialist and say, hey, like I was reading about this. Can we talk about it more? Awesome. All right. Well, tell us, uh, we know you have a podcast called The Superwoman Code. Mm -hmm. Uh, I assume that's available wherever anybody wants to listen. It is literally wherever you would like to listen. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, which is the best social network for them to reach out to you on? Instagram. If you reach out to me on Facebook, I will literally reply to you like two weeks later. (laughs) All right. So where do we find you on Instagram? So you find me on Instagram at at Dr. Ashley Margison. Perfect. Thank you so much for this conversation. I think you're really going to help people think differently about how they plan their social media. I know I am going to go think about this differently, how I plan 2022 and how I plan my next couple of months. And I think it was just a really interesting conversation. So thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. And it's all about what I say is it's all about making it easy, right? Your hormones can make it easy. So let them make it easy. Hey, if you're still here, what is your definition of success for your business? If your family needed you, do you have the space in your business to make that happen? I mean, I know you would make that happen, but is your business and your marketing set up to allow you the space to be present for your family without constantly worrying about the business or your next paycheck or your social media presence that you've worked so hard to build? If you can answer yes, congratulations. You are successful in my books and I hope in your own mind too. If you're not quite there yet and you need some help, I would love to hear from you. 
and share some strategies to improve your online marketing while creating that space you so desire. I've opened up my calendar for 30-minute brainstorming sessions to help entrepreneurs like you get a taste of what it's like to work with a social media strategist. You can access these $97 sessions at twerp.ca slash brainstorm. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Beef Blossom, the Good Enough podcast. Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode when I'll be talking to another perfectly imperfect entrepreneur. If you're looking for the show notes, head on over to beeflossom.ca where you'll also find all the links to connect with today's guest.